Today's session, we're going to have Hernan Fernandez from Angel Ventures in Mexico as our first guest. Hernan, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Sermana. Thank you for the invitation. Very excited to join. All right. Well, let's uh, get to know you and let's get to know Angel Ventures Mexico. Tell us about the fund. Tell us about your activities. Where do you invest? What, uh, what size funds do you run? And let's, uh, let's just get you introduced to our audience. Absolutely happy to. So our story actually starts off in 2008. Um, me and my, my partner at the time, we, we, we were in MIT. And, you know, we just got completely sucked into the amazing venture ecosystem that goes on there. And what, uh, what prompted you to get uh, going with this? Were, oh, you, yeah. were you studying you know, at MIT in 2008? Yes, I was studying at MIT between 2005 and 2007. And okay. there, basically, you know, uh, engaged with the venture mentoring ecosystem and, and, you know, participated in the business plan competitions, et cetera. So it was just mm -hmm. like a, such a dynamic ecosystem that I completely and absolutely fell in love with. Um, I, yeah. I actually started helping Mexican entrepreneurs raise some money or leading them to MIT, et cetera. And, and I just, like, love living, being part of that. Um, then in 2007, I came back to Mexico. I took a job in consulting, and I was a miserable consultant, I must say. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I still had, uh, you know, I, I had been receiving emails of founders or, or uh, you know, even some investors, and, hey, you know, I, I would like to, to see more pipeline, et cetera. So basically I decided to, to start the first angel investment in Mexico. That's why our names so between 2008 and go ahead 2000 2000 effort. when did you start 2000, angel venture 2008 and 2008 we, yeah we, we run the angel network exclusively from 2008 to 2013 and in 2013 we raised our first fund so it was a 20 million us dollar fund we have mm -hmm. 56 limited partners. It was three institutional investors, the Inter-American Development mm -hmm. Bank and the Mexican Development Bank, and 53, you know, of our first crop of angel investors that believed in the project. Uh, that okay. was a pretty successful fund. We, we had some follow-on investments by, you know, the GA, SoftBank, the Masic, and, and, you know, trying to, to, to really recreate a good thesis in, in Mexico. We, we were in the middle of the fintech wave, which was absolutely amazing. We had some very successful fintech companies coming from that maiden fund. And now we, we manage our second fund, which is a fund for the Pacific Alliance countries of Mexico, Chile, Colombia, and Peru. We feel it's a great untapped opportunity. These four countries, which, you know, they're very closely aligned together. Uh, mm -hmm. They have 230 million people and an economy of $2.2 trillion uh, U.S. So it's larger mm -hmm. than Brazil. It's actually larger than Canada uh, in terms of economy and well, in terms of population, of course. Uh, so yeah. you know, there's there's so much to be done here. Uh, we're big fans of comparable markets. So we we travel extensively through other countries like India or uh, Southeast Asia, Middle East, North and Africa, and we just see the trends that we're seeing right now, which you yeah. know, I think we're on the on the brink of something in terms of global emerging market. Global entrepreneurship. Yes, which is. Absolutely, our mission as well. So um, let yeah. me ask you a few questions just to understand the um, 
the dynamics of the Mexican ecosystem. Um, you said you moved, you started in 2008 with the Angel Network in Mexico. I presume that at that point you moved from Cambridge to Mexico, yes? That is correct. So who are these angel investors? Does that include technology investors or is it more, uh, you know, other industries, people who have made money in other industries and are interested in investing in technology? So, Amanda, that's an amazing question. You know, you're, you're spot on because we learned the hard way that angel investors are so different to the, so different to the ones that you will find in the U.S., Europe, or the developed right. economies. Whereas in the U.S. or Europe, 80% of angel investors have been successful entrepreneurs. In Mexico yes. and in Latin America, that, that's certainly not the case. So the pockets yeah. of money are actually more tied to all their money. You know, it's, it's people that have been wealthy all their lives, and probably their fathers and grandfathers have been wealthy as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, what, what we found was that there's, there's an emerging trend of successful businessmen, right? I'm, I'm talking about this, the C-suite levels and the CEOs, CTOs, McKin- McKinsey partners, you know, the Goldman Sachs employees that we're starting to see entrepreneurs as an investment opportunity. So you go yeah. from real estate to even some franchises, et cetera. And, you know, in 2008, for the first time, we started seeing that many year-end bonuses and things like that were going towards entrepreneurs, and we saw it as a fascinating trend. Obviously, this has to do a lot with age. You know, we're talking people between 25 to 45, maybe, at, at their core. And what we saw, and what, which was an opportunity for a fund, and our first fund was actually a co-investment fund, was that the tickets were, were significantly smaller from what you will see in an angel in the U.S. But the key, the key insight was that this was actually smart capital, and that was, was actually locking. So uh, by having the, you know, the, the, the country manager for Google or the country manager for Pfizer, we were able now to finally do some smart investments in many of these verticals. So our job yeah. at that point in time, and it still is, is to empower these individuals to become successful yeah. in, in investors. And Angel Ventures has actually produced funds that co-invest with these individuals. We leverage many of these individuals and their expertise into our fund screening and sourcing and, and investment processes. And we, yeah. we perceive ourselves as a, as a real-time, uh, you know, like co-investment uh, uh, mechanism of sorts to, to fund the best mm-hmm. entrepreneurs that we can find in our countries. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So um, now you said you invest in Mexico, Chile, Peru, and um, Colombia. Colombia. And are the angel investors also from all four uh, countries, or are they all Mexican investors? No, actually, we, we have a very broad base of angel investors. We have 15 nationalities represented throughout the Philippines and our angel okay. base. We have many investors from the U.S., some from Canada. I would say the core is certainly Mexico and Colombia. It might be like a, like a close second. <laughs> some guys from Peru, okay. some from Chile, Guatemala. But we, we even have, uh, you know, Germany, Spain, Japan, uh, Thailand, uh, Australia. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Many times it's really... And how did that come together? Uh, you know, I, you probably know this. I'm also an MIT alumni. Did you, did you, were you able yes. to leverage the MIT alumni network? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, I mean, th- think about, you know, doing sometimes, every now and then we get some, you know, deep companies that we have no idea how to, how to deal with them, right? 
So, yeah. I mean, you know, Mexico actually it's a pretty interesting country in terms of robotics. So we had no idea how to to actually engage with the, the proper robotics company. We could probably, you know, do yeah. it or stop in, in e-commerce or fintech, et cetera. But mm-hmm. when, when we actually see things that they're, they're way above our lead, we basically do things first, try to tap into the MIT network and see who can help us, you know, do a better okay. job at, at, at giving like a fairness opinion to that entrepreneur and linking them to that network. Uh, and in these particular investments, when it concerns like deep tech, we, we'd rather play second fiddle and possibly being more mm-hmm. like a, a follow-on investor. Mm-hmm. Because again, uh, deep tech is, is a global play. And, and I think uh, in what we can be really good and relevant is more in business business model plays that are more suited to our countries. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about some of the investments you've made. Um, and, and in particular, as you describe these investments and, and the case studies, so to speak, talk about how did you find them? What state did you find them? And what was it about these companies that compelled you to write the check? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I think that uh, coming back from the, uh, to, to to what's the story behind, I I love good storytelling, and and I must say, you know, that that uh, the the best part of being in this job is you know being with the most uber optimistic people out there, which are. Many times, by definition, entrepreneurs. So I, I love asking entrepreneurs the question like, how and why did you get into this industry, right? And if you can see like, like even at some certain extent, like a personal connection, it's it's beautiful, you know. Uh, for example, I, I uh, Adolfo Barat, he's also an MIT alum, by the way. Um, he's the founder of Clip. I would say like the most successful uh, Mexican company today, and you know, it's it's on its, on its route to be a, to become a unicorn. It's got investment by SoftBank and by GA and then some other serious guys. And it's now, you know, overtaking most banks in, in Mexico. And, and, you know, Adolfo used to, pay, to work for PayPal, and he was, like, developing a product. And he felt that, you know, there was, like, something missing. So he worked, you know, in, in a very world-class company trying to develop products, but he knew that he didn't have, like, the, the enough environment to actually make something that worked for Mexico. So he quit mm-hmm. PayPal. He, he was bankrolled by, by his co-founder at the time and, and another employee, and they had like a beautiful story together of how to create a company in Mexico. And again, if you ask Adolfo, you know, you, you knew from day one that Adolfo was passionate about why payments were so bad in Mexico and they were so miserable. And mm-hmm. I, at the time, I had no idea if Adolfo was going to be successful or not, but I knew that he was passionate about what he was building. and. And, you know, that, 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 that was a, a pretty good chance we took. And on the other hand, you know, many times we see, you know, like, like a really good sales, salesperson, you know, with a, with a good PowerPoint presentation and you know, mm-hmm. some hardy balls. And, and you just sense that he's now probably, I don't know, selling to you e-commerce for babies. And if he doesn't get funded, actually this has happened to, to us before. In six months, he's going to be raising, uh, you know, an e-commerce for pets. So you kind of mm-hmm. like think where the passion into that, and and uh, you know if, if things go sour, there's there's a, not not that stickiness factor that you would like to see an entrepreneur. So we try to to make the best assessment that we can in terms of grit uh, and determination of the entrepreneur. Obviously, besides the size of the market and you know the competitive dynamics, regulation, etc., which you know are, are the usual. But I would say like my special take is on the entrepreneur's personal mm-hmm. background story something that's very critical for us. And is fintech a, 
a, a sector that you have invested more in? Is that is this a big trend uh, in Mexico as well? It, it is a globally a big trend right now. Yes, fintech. Uh, we, we were lucky enough to to be you know in the middle of the fintech way. Uh, actually, we, when we designed the fund back in 2013, we had no idea we were going to see fintech deals. But when we started seeing the trends that we were seeing, technology plays adapting to financial markets, etc. Okay, guys, we need to build a proper uh, you know fintech fintech capacity to to analyze, analyze these deals. So yeah, we invested in Clip, we invested in Questly, we invested uh, out of our first fund, which which was 21 companies. Six of them are into the fintech space, and two of the top performers are, are fintechs. So now okay. with the second fund, we're also doing uh, fintech. We, we we like it. You know, Mexican banks are are just so. Uh, obviously, they have they have uh, they have been getting better all the time. You know, they, they're just so expensive, and they don't get many times consumer. They they um I, I just feel that it's 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 a right time to disrupt, and 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 the Mexican government has been quite supportive, and actually Mexico became the first country to enact a proper fintech law in the world. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in some things we can be innovative, and, and certainly that was the, the one, of, one of the first. Um, so, so, yeah, fintech, fintech is great. Mobility, you know, it's, it's, it's one that for, for all kind of countries is great. And, and for example, I, I would love, love to share this on, on, mobility, on one mobility investment that we made. So we invested in, uh, in a company called Urban in Mexico, which is a B2C slash B2B2C mobility play to take uh -huh. people's stock, you know, their house to their workplace, et cetera. And we did a similar in Did we lose her now? Maureen, can you hear uh, her now? I cannot hear him anymore. So is it I who lost him or everybody lost his audio? Okay, we all lost his audio. Ah, all right. In that case, I think I'm going to go to, Maureen, I'm gonna let you work with Hernan Hello. to- uh, Hello, Hermana. Uh, here we go. Yes, yes, we don't, Yes, the call dropped. Uh, so just just to finalize that idea, you know, we invested into these two companies that are doing amazing things in uh, in mobility, and we yeah. went to India and met with with the shuttle team. We love that company. We went. We, we actually met with investors of Swivel in uh, from Egypt, and from mm -hmm. Vault in uh, in Turkey, and you know what we're seeing it's 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 actually quite interesting in the sense that this is a pure emerging markets play because actually. In the, at the time, there was this there was a company called Chariot that was acquired by Ford, but they were solving mm -hmm. a very you know a, a, not, not a very important problem in developed the countries right because these these companies deal with mobility for workforce and if you try to do this in Boston or in you know San Francisco, uh, you know uh, public transportation works quite well, financing for yeah. cars is very cheap uh, and it's it's not something that you actually need to work on. Whereas in places like India or Delhi or Mexico City or, you know, uh, uh, Sao Paulo, uh, Bogota, you have all these people that are between, uh, you know, public transportation that sometimes can be bad or very inefficient. And the yeah. best next alternative is something like Uber Pool. 
So there's yeah. so much, you know, uh, opportunities to, to innovate in that space that I'm, I'm mm-hmm. very confident that the unicorn, the first unicorn that we're going to see in that space is probably going to be either Swivel in, in Egypt, uh, Mina, or, or, or Shuttle, but, but I think that the Latin American components into that are also be, going to be very dominant. So we're very, very hyped on, on you know, what we can build as, as a pure emerging markets play. And we're going yeah. to see more and more this coming. Um, and, you know, the trends, you know, cash on delivery. It's something that even Amazon have to adapt for cash and delivery in Mexico, which Mexico, by the way, yeah. is the, the fastest market to grow to one billion in sales anywhere in the world. Uh, Uber, mm-hmm. you see, if you saw Uber's, uh, Uber's numbers, 28% of Uber's revenues come from uh, Latin America. So Latin America has the consumers, is, is growing in terms of purchasing power. Very digital consumer. Certain, yeah, exactly. And it's, 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 I, I think it, it was like kind of like left out uh, from the global investment scene. And then, you know, uh, a few months ago, SoftBank committed $5 billion to the region. And we're starting to see more and more activity from the Sequoias, the Axels, et cetera, of the world. So it's, it's certainly an interesting place to be right now. Very interesting. Okay, cool. Now, um, would you say the bulk of your portfolio is B2C? Uh, good question. I, I would say it's, it's split. I will, I will tilt it more towards B2C, yes, but we do have a few B2B plays as well. Um, I would say fintech is pretty big. We have done some things in e-commerce and learned some hard lessons in the way. You know, some of them mm-hmm. are, are still doing okay. Uh, mobility, I think, has picked up in terms of what we do. Uh, health and health-related opportunities, all the way from platforms to to some medical devices. Um, and, and yeah, that, that, and, and certainly some B2B plays uh, in, in logistics. And I actually have invested in a very interesting Korean beauty company that's now expanding to Latin America. Okay, interesting. You know, a lot of the B2C trends that you are uh, talking about are trends that are big in India as well. Um, we, we cover India very extensively and uh, for, have for a long time. Um, the Indian B2C market is, is more advanced, I think, than Latin America, but it's Absolutely. also a lot of these trends that you're talking about are very active trends uh, in India as well. And I think that, you know, the, the commonality across all this is that the consumer logistics part is very broken in most of the emerging markets, right? So there's a lot of logistics-oriented stuff that uh, need to get built, and, and venture is a perfect way to build that. A lot of fintech doesn't exist, right? There's the financial services sector is very immature. The healthcare sector is very immature. Retail, organized retail is very immature even. It's, you know, very fragmented retail. Um, all of these are trends, uh, and, and everything that you talked about, cash on delivery, is a, is a big trend in India as well. And, and so, so I think it's, these are, the emerging markets have certain commonalities. So I guess the question that I would put to you is, have you studied what is different? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, we, we also did our second trip to Bangalore uh, a couple of months ago, and it feels like a playground. You know, the, the energy there, it's, it's amazing. I think Indians are, are very good, and obviously they have a, a more, way more developed uh, financing ecosystem. 
Uh, we were actually yeah. funny, but we, we got interviewed by, by your story. You know, uh, Shadow was, was fantastic. And we yeah. met with so many big, uh, companies, you know, very open in terms of, yeah, we're focused in India because it's a huge market. It's growing so fast. Uh, but, but, yeah, you have many of the things that we see prevalent in Latin America, right? Mega cities, you know, the, 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 yeah. how you actually capture into, into those consumers. And, and, and these hacks that Indians have been able to make are, are you know, are something that we are keen on, on, on seeing how that develops into, into Latin America. Uh, you know, places like things like social commerce, right? Like, like the whole Avon Cosmetics catalog that is very prevalent in, in Latin America as well. And you have people in their, you know, by hours and office hours uh, just selling to you every, you know, shoes or whatever. And, and Indians have adapted that to, towards technology. And uh, cash on delivery, it's, a, it's a, also a very common one. And again, it's like these local hacks that happen into, into developing economies that I think Indians do, Indians do very well. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think that, that, that certainly India, uh, where it stands today, it's a very interesting model for Latin America. I would actually say much more than, than China. Um, you know, Southeast Asia, it's, it also has some pretty interesting company, mainly, you know, we have seen some amazing companies in Vietnam. We have seen great yeah. things also in Indonesia. Uh, but, but yeah, India, I think, has, has a very a big concentration of that. And, and Bangalore, it's, it's a great place to visit for that sense. Well, I think the difference between India and Latin America is that India has this very deep technology industry because it, it served as like the back office of American technology companies and IT departments of large companies for so long, for you know, good two, three decades, and, and it developed a huge mass of very tech-savvy people. So I think the, that is yeah. one of the reasons why the B2B and the deep tech side of India is also quite well developed at this point and is developing yeah. even more and very well. Uh, that I don't think yeah. is true about Latin America. The Latin American market is more B2C uh, opportunities as well. as I think there, there are B2B opportunities in Latin America as well, but it's not as much deep tech. It's more, um, you know, more business models and, and inefficiencies that are being addressed through venture. I, yeah, you're, you're spot on. Uh, I think India has has the, the business model approach, but you're, you're spot in saying that it's a deep tech. And I will claim that, yes, unfortunately, I don't think Latin America is, is deep tech. I'll say two reasons. Obviously, you know, I don't think that, that we have that long-standing, you know, a tradition of, like, like India has had of, you know, capturing so much tech and working for so much tech companies and then relocating yeah. to India and being able to push for that. I would say there are some pockets that we see very promising, like Guadalajara in Mexico, has some of the mm -hmm. elements that we feel very confident about, and uh, particularly there, you know, you have the Intel, the Microsoft, and you have these near-shoring capabilities that Silicon Valley is using a lot. So I will be very bullish on Guadalajara in the years to come. You have like places like Santiago, you have places like like Medellin. So I think there's, there's certain cities, but obviously not to a certain extent or to a critical mass that 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 India has has achieved for sure. And the other thing that I really like is, you know, the, the whole financing uh, thing. If you come to think about it, in the top tier U.S. BC funds, there's not many Latins. There's there's very few Mexicans. Whereas India right. has a critical mass, right? So yeah, you, that, absolutely. Kind of like, absolutely. That, that that really helps a lot in terms of funding, and you know, I, helps a lot. I'm just, well, know, it helps a lot. I think that amazing. the India Silicon Valley bridge has been very powerful and it helps a lot. I don't yes. think that similar Silicon Valley Latin America bridge has been as strong yeah. or 
you know, that, that level of presence of Latin Americans in the higher echelons of Silicon Valley just doesn't exist uh, yet, exactly. anyway. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, so, and the, the, the thing that I will mention quickly there is, you know, the, the, the U.S. proximity is a blessing in disguise because, I mean, think about this. If you're like a Mexican, you know, a scientist doing the deep tech, Three hundred and fifty dollars, yep. and something crazy like you know two thousand flights a, a week, uh, you know per day or something. The statistics yep. are amazing, and you're in the U.S. and there is probably right. twenty-five daily flights from Silicon Valley to anywhere in Mexico. So the connectivity mm-hmm. is just enormous. So, so I'm pretty sure that the U.S. is capturing a lot of that, you know, Latin American or or, or particularly Mexican talent, and it's something that kind of like stays there and and matures there. Which, by the way, it, it makes sense if you're doing something in big deep tech. I'm not encouraging any Mexican scientists to actually just do it in Mexico if it's a global play, but but it's just the way it is. How relevant do you think is Silicon Valley to the B2C side of the Mexican venture uh, ecosystem? Because you're catering to, well, not just Mexican, Latin American, Mexico, Peru, uh, Chile, uh, Colombia, the market that you've talked about. If you're doing B2C, catering to those markets, how relevant is Silicon Valley for you? Uh, I think it's growing in terms of relevance. Uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, I, I wouldn't like to use the word frustrating, but, but I, I really wish that Silicon Valley took a little bit more time to understand Latin America. Um, like mm-hmm. I, I have seen, you know, many entrepreneurs with very, you know, heartbreaking emails going something like, well, you know, we always go for the big market. And for all the big market is Brazil. That makes sense. Brazil has a scale, et cetera. And then from Brazil, we'll try to pursue like a global Latin American play and have the companies expand and everything. That's that's something really crazy. That's you know like like saying, yeah, we'll go probably to China and Chinese in Asia, and you know, you know from China we'll probably go to other markets. It doesn't make any sense. And and actually, nothing against Brazilian companies. I think they're fantastic entrepreneurs out there, but Brazilians have been very bad at, at scaling companies outside of Brazil. And I will actually there. You know, how many companies have actually successfully scaled from Brazil into Latin America? I could probably think of one. I mean, Nubank now, as a challenger bank, has a new opportunity and a lot of money to actually try that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that Latin America has to be seen in, in a different way. Uh, and now, obviously, Rappi and what you mentioned with Last Mile Logistics, you know, it's, it's certainly a hot segment in Latin America. And Rappi just raised $1 billion from SoftBank just towards that, that particular vertical. Uh, but but the thing is, there's also a big perception of insecurity, right? Yeah, Mexico, of course, the Chapo, Brokewash, we all know that. Uh, but the thing is, if you actually go to Mexico City and Guadalajara, you're statistically more safe than even some cities in the U.S., like, you know, unfortunately, Chicago nowadays. Never, needless but, to say, you know, I, other... Hernan, I think you're, what you're saying is, is correct, that there is not a lot of awareness. But I, I, I'm even asking something uh, a little more fundamental do you need Silicon Valley to be successful in what you're trying to do is building the B2C venture ecosystem? SoftBank is interested. SoftBank is not Silicon Valley. SoftBank is a Japanese company with Middle Eastern money. So, I mean, they're yes. interested in a big market. They understand that Mexico and Latin America is a big market, and, and they're willing to work with you. Probably Tiger Global wants to work with you. Probably Naspers wants to work with you. These are the emerging market venture funds that are interested in these bigger emerging markets, and I, I imagine all of them are interested in working with you. So what do you need Silicon Valley for? I mean, that, that, that's, that's actually a, a great point. And, and I will tell you this. Yes, we actually have worked with Temasek, with, uh, with GA and, and the, exactly. With exactly. Uh, 
and it's happening. I, I, but I will say this, particularly to Mexico. I was I was part of the NAFTA generation, and this is something interesting to understand. I was I was part of the you know the whole thing where the U.S. has been as a key ally or something. So I don't know. It's kind of like uh, I'm, 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 I went to school in the U.S. I have like so many U.S. friends. So I would love to see Silicon Valley, you know, open a little bit more towards like Latin America and, and, and Mexico and, and understand the fundamentals. Yeah, Mexico dangerous is. <laughs> Yes, if you go to Reynosa, When are you going to be in Silicon Valley next yes. time? Oh, I go there at least, you know, once every three months and, and meet with fantastic people and trying to spread the good word and, and hopefully building those bridges. And I agree. I think that the, in terms of money-wise and, and good story to tell, there's now very relevant places like, like SoftBank that, you know, they have, have been amazing to some of these companies. Uh, but I, I will not, not lose hope of Silicon Valley. I just hope that next time that they're trying to fund something that in my humble opinion might be as trivial as getting an on, like the third app on-demand ballet service, one of them take something more fundamental that can change people's lives, like, you know, urban mobility in, in packed cities where you really need to solve a problem. I, I, I probably would not lose my faith in Silicon Valley in the short term, but, you know, it's a, it, it's a labor of love. <laughs> well, next time you come, give me a buzz, and and we'll uh, we'll have coffee and chat more. <laughs> we will certainly. I will certainly look up, look forward to that, Samana. All right. Well, thank you very much for sharing your perspective. I'm a huge fan of Latin America. I've, you know, spent time in Latin America. I love Latin America, and I'm I'm really thrilled to see, you know, all the things that are happening. We we actually keep in touch with a number of investors in Latin America. And I, I worked very closely with Mercado Libre a long time ago. Um, oh, nice. So no, definitely by uh, all means, the, the, the invitation then extends the other way. The next time you come, uh, this, this part of the river or, or the wall, I guess, uh, please sing us and we'll be happy to take you out for, for some proper tacos and, and meet some pretty interesting people. All right. Take care, Hernan. Thank you for participating today. Very interesting. Thank you, Sharmana. It was lovely. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great day, Sharmana.